Hi, my name is Aviva, and I will be having a conversation with Capri for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Communal Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It's March 19, 2019, and it's being recorded on Broom Street in Chinatown in my apartment. Hi, Capri. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Um, I'm good. Not too shabby, actually. Um, I wanted to start by asking you, what was it like being raised in a military family? Um, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of interesting. Um, when I tell people that my parents are in the military, I think because like, it was such a small portion of my life. Like, my parents met in the military. And then when I was born, they got out. And then after my parents got divorced, when I was 10, my mom got back into the military. So it's like I was only kind of like a military rat for like, I don't know, like eight years or something. Um, but it was it was weird. I think it's weirder now in retrospect than it was at the time, I think. Like I wasn't as conscious about things, I think. I don't know. It was like different. It was like nice to move around, but also all the places I went kind of sucked. Um, Where were they? I, the first place we were stationed was Scott Air Force Base in Illinois, which was just like an hour away from my hometown. And then... And what's we, your hometowns are? We have to establish sorry. some. some uh, no, yeah. so I didn't ask you. What's your beginning um, My, I guess, hometown is Centralia, Illinois. So like Scott Air Force Base was maybe like an hour away. And after, I mean, we were there for like three years. And then we went to Shepard Air Force Base, which was in Wichita Falls, Texas. And then I was there for, like, five years, and then I went to San Antonio um, afterwards. But, yeah, I mean, it was like I met a lot of, like, really cool people, which, again, in retrospect, it's like I don't actually keep in contact with them. I think it was, like, a good experience and like, seeing, like, lots of, like, different cultures and meeting people and, like, and moving around. Um, but it's just, like, I don't fuck with the military whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we can go from there to more of your childhood in yeah. San Antonio? Um, or well, in, um... Illinois, yeah, Central, Illinois, yeah. Both, uh. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, like, my childhood, I guess it's, like, what specifically, or just, like, what it was like? Um, I guess you could talk about some of the, I don't know, social aspects, like, if there was things that were formative about being there, the friends that you met, the families that you were around, the neighbors that supported or didn't support your family. Like, I'm just like, what were some of the, like, defining aspects of being where you were? Um, I mean, Centralia, Illinois is kind of like a hellhole. It's really, I think, I don't know, it's interesting thinking about it now. It's like, the worst place I think that I've ever lived just because I think all of my traumas sort of happened in this one house and it's like as a kid that's not necessarily like what I was aware of I think like as a kid like it's very protective that you don't entirely know what's going on but it's like I don't know like I mean my dad's family lived there which is the only reason like why we lived there because my mom is from Mississippi so she kind of like uprooted herself and we went to be closer to my dad's family, which, like, didn't really accept my mom or, like, my older brother, who, like, was not biologically related to my father. So it was just, like, I think me personally, like, I kind of 
navigated pretty well, at least like through my family, whereas like my mom and my older brother kind of had a hard time and were met with um, a lot of like cold shoulders and like very like mean words. Like they weren't ever really kind of accepted as family. Like they kind of were. I think like the, like my parents were together for 13 years. Um, so it's like, it did get easier at some point in time, but like, it was actually a very hard transition, I think for both of them. Um, especially for my mom to be so far away from her family. And then for my brother just to kind of be there with his mom and to have this like family. But then also the fact that like, I don't know, my grandmother would just say like very like mean things to him. Um, so like that was, was rough. I was a bit protected from that. Um, was there any, like us, any way in which people elaborated why they weren't accepting of your mother they no I mean it's like they did elaborate but it was like they were mean to my mom and like calling her country it was like things like that since she was like from Mississippi and from the south they would like talk about her parents as if like they were illiterate and like couldn't read and it was just like they would just call like my mom like dumb and stupid and stuff because she was a large class difference between your father and your no It was just um, a little bit of internalized racism, like good old misogyny and just like things like that. There was actually no reason like backing it up. I think it was just a lot of like stereotypical like ideas of like people from the South. And I think a lot of the times it's just how I think like women can kind of perpetuate like misogyny and toxic masculinity where they're like teaching their sons and like teaching boys about like women and things like that where I think like they wouldn't have accepted my mom like no matter who she was like I feel like people really feel like they lose their sons to their wives or something like that and I feel like my grandma kind of like felt like that where she was kind of like vying with my mom in some type of way but also just being like a very hateful person just in general I think that that was just like Mm -hmm. her nature um so they no they didn't have any how did that affect you as a child It really, it didn't. Um, It was, like, weird. Like I said, I was protected because, like, my my actual grandmother died before I was born. So the person that I called grandma was my great-grandmother. And it's, like, so, like, my great-grandmother and my grandmother were actually having children at the same time. And, like, how it happened is, like, my dad was, like, actually the first grandchild from my great-grandmother. And, like, so she just loved, like, her firstborn, which was, like, my grandma. And then she loved her firstborn, which was, like, my dad. So, like, and I was his firstborn. So it was just, like, I kind of got treated like this golden child and this golden baby. Um, And I didn't really, like, I wasn't very aware of like as to how like my mom was being treated or it's just something like when you're five and you hear like nasty things being said about people it's just like you really don't have any power to do anything anyways and I think by that point it's been so normalized that you also you're just like that's just what she says to you or that's just the way that she treats my mom kind of thing um I think we were very hush hush about like a lot of things that happened we didn't really talk about like or process like any reason as to why like a lot of things were happening to us And how do you feel like your, like, growing into your own identity was shaped by the ways that you kind of witnessed your mother in the world as, like, a powerful figure who was in the military and then left and then re-entered and held different positions in which you saw the world reflected through her own experiences of, like, being marginalized or traumatized or whatever as, like, a black woman from the South that... 
I think in like some way, like, I mean, I think like in my own healing process, like, I don't know, it's like, I do take from my mother, but I think like, um, what I'm realizing that I really took a lot from my childhood is like my great grandmother's voice and like my father's voice. Like, I think that I have like a lot of like, being around them, I think like my internal monologue has like a very negative voice and like, when I try to think about like what the root or the origin of that is or like why I think it, it, it also has come into play with like me like dating people and just kind of realizing like the way that I talk to people that I date or like people that I have dated and being like, oh, well, like why do I like say mean things or like why do I behave that way and not really understanding why. And I think in therapy, like um, my therapist was asking me like, what was she saying? She was saying like, who talked to me like that? And I think it was very difficult to get kind of to the root of it because no one talked to me like that. They were talking to other people like that and I was just happening to be an observer. And I think that like I adopted and adapted that as my own voice. And I was just always that kid that was very snarky and like bratty and had a lot of attitude. But in reality, it's like I was like using the same vitriol that my, my dad and like my grandmother used and kind of molded it to my own as like some type of like defense mechanism instead of just being really sad all the time and I think like looking at my mom like I don't know I think I appreciate her and her struggle and her journey more so now than I ever did when I was younger I think it's kind of weird I think I have like kind of like a abusive types of like it's like I get like the the vitriol so like from my dad and my grandmother and I think I have a lot of anxiety from my mom I think my mom instilled a lot of like very good ideologies within me and a lot of structure but I think what I've taken from her the most might be like her anxiety that is like out of trauma which is kind of unfortunate mm. mm-hmm. and in all of that family dynamic was there like a religious background or it, when or how does religion play a part in your family dynamic um I mean it's like we I don't know it's it's like we were religious like I remember growing up and like going to church and like my mother um, was actually raised very religious but um, she was Lutheran at the time and we would just be, like, the only black people in this, like, all-white, like, fucking country-ass, like, church. Um, and I don't know, I think it was, I mean, I think, like, in some way, like, it was, like, comical because we'd always be, like, late and just, like, I don't know, like, bustling in and just, like, making ourselves stick out even more. And it's, like, I liked going to church because of, like, Sunday school and like also there was like a basketball court and like I would just play there But it's like I never really believed in any of that I think like my mother was like very big on it, but I also think that that was like one of her only grounding Forces and like one of her only like support systems that was actually in Illinois with her was like God and it made sense And like my dad was never really religious a lot of the times he wouldn't go to church with us And it's just like now he's kind of like a born-again Christian and he's like the most like extreme like Christian and like my mom I don't think that she goes to church anymore I think she's still like spiritual but I think that she's just kind of been burnt out on 
like actually going to services and just kind of seeing like how corrupt organized religion is. But um, yeah, I was raised religious for the most part. Like I would be afraid if I like went to sleep and didn't say my prayers and things like that. Like a lot of like that type of fear was like instilled within me and like my family was by and large like very much so religious. Was there any kind of like ambient homophobia when you were growing up or did you feel like whatever you were arriving at within your own identity was already kind of like sinful or it could register that way? Um, there, I mean, it's like funny. I have an aunt who is, I guess you call like a has-been because she was a lesbian and now she does not identify as that anymore, though I'm pretty certain she's very gay. Um, it like, it wasn't, it wasn't homophobia, but it was like, whenever she would come around with like someone that was like clearly a partner, they would always say it was like her friend and stuff like that. Like, I don't really remember like many bad things being said or many like, homophobic things or slurs being said about my aunt but I do know that she was very different and it wasn't that I felt I never necessarily felt drawn to her because of that or anything I think a lot of like my family members really like supported my like tomboyness and just like being into sports and stuff like that and she was just another like support system but I did notice that my aunt was like very different but it was just also something that like no one talked about and it's like, I don't know, I don't feel that there was any, like, homophobia in the house or anything like that. But I also knew that the way that I felt, like, it just seems a bit out of place. And I think maybe it wasn't because people were saying things to me, but just because, like, I never saw any of that being represented. So I just kind of knew that indirectly in some type of way that it wasn't, like, normal. And do you have any, like, first memories of transness or the idea of that? Not even, I mean, not at at a young age. I think, honestly, the first time I probably, like, heard about being trans and stuff was, like, being on fucking OkCupid when I was, like, 20 or something like that. And, like, San Antonio is very conservative, but, like, Austin was, like, buzzing. And just, like, I don't know, everybody's, like, profiles in Austin. Just, like, I would have to, like, Urban Dictionary, like, all these words. And I'm just, like, what does this mean? And what I What are some of the words? Do you remember that? I mean, even, like, acronyms like GNC, astrology shit, non-binary. I'm, like, what? Like, it was just, like, things, like, being, like, non-monogamous things, I think, that I say right now that, like whenever I say them and people are like, what are you talking about? And I'm just like baffled that people don't know. It's just kind of like those, those words like that. I just, it, they were being newly introduced to my lexicon and it was like, it was very grounding. And I also think moving to New York really kind of like set that completely ablaze and open where it's like, Oh, I wasn't just seeing this. I was like dating people like that. And I was like actually seeing them with like my own eyes, like outside and things Um, and I also think being on Tumblr has, like, opened so many, like, doors, and just, like, I don't know, it's just, it's been so informative. Where do you go on Tumblr? Like, what's up there? (laughs) I mean, I don't, I mean, it's, like, hard. I mean, I follow a lot of different blogs, but I, I think, like, I, I love, like, the memes and, like, the funny part of Tumblr, but there's also just, like, a lot of, like, critical, I wouldn't even say, like, if it's critical theory or, like, anecdotal stuff. I mean, it's, like, half and half but I I think like just people talking about their experiences or also there is like a lot of like critical theory and like rhetoric which is like very deep and like people are also like using excerpts from like articles and studies and things like that they're like linking a lot of stuff um 
But I don't know, I think they have like really helped me kind of step into being myself or like, it's not even that I, that I think that I've been helped. It's just that there was a rhetoric that or language that I didn't know that that was there. It's like whenever you do feel something and it's just like, oh, like that has existed. It's just like you're just now feasting your eyes on that information. And when you got to New York, were there other like physical places that you felt like you could connect to through your identity? Like like a commonality in identity or was it more online internet stuff that I felt mean, safer? It's, like, online stuff, but I think, I mean, I think it's more so, like, meeting people and having friends and things like that, and I think, like, intimate social gatherings that I've had and um, just friends that I've met along the way. Also, I think my cousin Ashley has, like, really been, like, a staple in, like, my queerness and, like, kind of navigating New York and just, like, introducing me to people that are now just very they're just like they're extensions of me it's just like my friends that have that they're almost like similar to myself like in some type of way where it's like hard to distinguish the two um but no I don't think I actually go out often and feel safe in that way but I think it's like more so going in and being with like very like specific people where I feel comfortable and safe what are your like everyday safety concerns um, I think it kind of depends. Um, I think in the winter I do appear like more mask. So like I don't get bothered as much and I don't necessarily feel as if like I have, or I feel like I have less safety concerns in the winter just because I'm more clothed. And like in the summer, I mean, I don't know. It's just, like, interesting. Like, sometimes, like, I'll be walking past, like, a group of men and just, like, hearing them kind of, like, remark on me. Like, is that a boy or a girl? Or just, like, I don't know, just kind of saying things. And I think at first it's kind of, like, validating, but then it becomes terrifying because I have no idea if they plan on finding out what I am. And um, I think that's kind of scary. Or I think, like, looking what I assume to be is, like, androgynous and someone kind of, like, IDing me as like a woman and then just like saying some really like cross ass shit it's like I don't I don't know I don't particularly feel like unsafe when I go out I think it also depends like where I'm at if I'm like in the fucking country or something like that I think I just feel unsafe in general like in my black skin and also like in my queer skin and I mean there is like times where I'm like oh do I look too gay or do I look too this and like I kind of like change up my outfit a little bit I'm like trying to get better with that and I also think in the summer like I'm trying to get better in some type of way where it's like feeling comfortable showing my skin and not really giving a fuck what dudes say because I feel like last summer I kind of had that bit of epiphany where I like wore a crop top for the first time which was like super liberating and it was just like really hard because I was so afraid to like go outside wearing that because I knew that like I was going to be attracting more attention from men and it's just crazy how I was just like they're controlling me and I haven't even left the house yet like just like how pervasive um, that is and trying to like break free of that I mean I haven't had like many situations or like physical altercations um, and I know that it is a possibility, but I think, like, for myself, I'm just trying to, like, continue validating myself and, like, what the fuck I want to wear and being, like, if you see a titty, you see a titty. Like, it's <laughs> just not, it's not that serious, you know? Like, I don't know. 
And I also have, I think, like really good support systems that like make me feel comfortable in doing that and can like really talk me up like if I feel uncomfortable uncomfortable if I'm trying to like back out Mm -hmm. and how like to back up a little like how would you describe your gender um I would describe my gender as I mean not really having one I mean I do identify as like non-binary and gender non-conforming um but I mean I it's not I guess I don't know I don't feel like necessarily like an even split between male or female I just feel like a person like it just like I don't know, I think that gender for me is just kind of, like, a bit of an irrelevant concept. Like, it just... Um, so what, if you could talk more about, like, your different experiences of identity, like, which ones are more important to you or that you feel like embracing right now and exploring? Um, I think, I mean, my biggest ones are, I mean, being non-binary, even though I'm like, gender is irrelevant. It's like, it, it is relevant in some, some way as well. Um, but I also think that it's just because people are so used to like, IDing people in some type of binary sense that it really kind of revs it up or amps it up. Um, but just like being black, I think, um, is a very big, um, identity for me um one that has taken i it's like weird where it's like your identities or at least mine have all kind of taken some time to like kind of like love and kind of like peel the corners back and like sand off and being like oh i was like trying to hide that for so long um so really kind of like embracing that and being like very pro-black because like i don't know i've experienced a lot of internalized racism um and I think it's hard to unpack and unlearn, but, like, I'm constantly trying to do that. Um, also, just being, like, queer, I think, is, like, a huge um, identifier for me as well. Like, and I like that queer is just, like, a very big umbrella term and that in some ways, like, I don't have to necessarily explain myself, like, in saying that I'm queer, like, unless, like, I am getting into a conversation with someone. But I just like that it can mean so many different things and that it is fluctuative and, like, depending on, like, what I'm feeling at that point in time um, or, like, who I'm feeling like I'm attracted to. And I also think that queer is, like, very political as well. Like, it doesn't just mean, like, sexuality or anything like that. I believe, like, queer is just kind of, like, this all-encompassing term. Um, So I really, really fuck with that. Um, but I mean, I I don't know, also, I think, like, identifying with things, like, I don't know, it, it's just, like, labels are good, but also, it's just, like, the fact that certain people, like, certain marginalized people have to have those labels, like, other people get to kind of exist without them, and sort of be themselves, and then other people have to keep, like, defining themselves as, like, certain ways, because, like, everybody else is just trying to extinguish them, in some type of way and it's like you have to keep being like no I'm black I'm queer I'm this I'm that and it's just like but everybody else just gets to like like white cis people just kind of get to like live their lives like unabashed which is really not great um I wanted to ask you more about your emergent love of tattoos Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um yeah tattoos um it's funny I think In the past, I've always been attracted to or interested in tattoos. Um, It's funny, when I was probably, like, in high school, I used to want, like, Bible verses tattooed on me and shit. Like, love is patient, love is kind, like that disgusting, like, Corinthians verse. 
And I'm just like so happy that I didn't get that tattoo. Um, it's like, I don't know, I, I sort of like fantasized and thought about it a lot as, as, as like a younger person and kind of got out of it a bit because there wasn't anything at the moment that I like felt that I could get permanently tattooed on my body. And I think like dating people with tattoos and then having like friends with tattoos that were different. Like I think like American traditional tattoos are really like blown the fuck up and like I thought that was the only style of tattooing and like seeing people with like different types of tattoos and also like little like silly things was just like very endearing to me and also it was just very it was very attractive or like I, it like intrigued me in being like oh like there is just like this world of like tattoos that's not your typical like bro-y fucking tattoos um so I just kind of started getting um tattoos and I, I don't know I just like the fact that you can be like intentional with who you're allowing to like tattoo your body it is like the sacred art I believe in like having like queer like and trans people of color tattooing me um or just like women of color or just women in general but it's just nice that you can pick and choose and I also I don't know I just think like I have tattoos that like I probably like back in the day would have been like why would you have gotten that but now it's just like I don't know I have like a little like puppy with a jester hat and it's just like really sweet and like cute like I don't know I I I like the way that they make my body look as well. I think that they help with like body dysmorphia and just like the way that I view myself. I, I like the, the body modification. I also think it's kind of like a process. I mean, I got like 14 tattoos in like four months, three and a half months, which I think in some way I was definitely like spiraling. I think that like I have an addictive personality and I just kind of like take a bite out of something and you like it and you just kind of engorge yourself. So that's like what I was doing. And I also think, I don't know, like not that it was like a punishment in some type of way, but it's like the healing process is really gnarly. Like people love to talk about like getting the actual tattoo and how painful that is. But like the healing process is like actually the hardest part. And I think in some way I was probably having like, I mean, well, I was having like a tough time and it's like, I don't know, I guess physical pain sometimes is better than emotional pain. So it's just like, that was kind of I think like driving me sometimes it's like you have a shitty day you're like oh, I'm just gonna go get a new tattoo um mm. yeah and they're they're really cute I don't know they're expensive you know so that's why I slowed down but I'd also like love to get a bunch more and I probably will I'm gonna shift directions a little okay <laughs> when I met you you were reading medical apartheid yeah and I just wanted to know like where you're at and your interests in medicine and science and yeah where where that's heading next since I know you have some educational plans um right now um I'm starting grad school in the fall um I'll be getting a master's in public health I was like um intending on concentrating in biostatistics but after looking at like biostatistics research, it's very boring and dry. And I figure that I'd rather do something that I enjoy. I mean, granted, like the master's is because like I didn't get into medical school the first time applying. 
and it's like this is going to be like a sustainable degree that I can have like I can live comfortably off of it um in the event that I reapply to medical school and don't get in it's like this is something like I can do and that I will be interested and that will give me lots of opportunities and open lots of doors um but now um I'm switching my concentration to environmental sciences and um I don't know. I think I'm going to probably do research on like climate change and like looking at like communities of color and how they are like the most affected or going to be the the ones most affected um, by climate change. Um, and just talking about like a lot of like environmental justice um, and uh, disaster medicine. I think I hope to get like my master's and to get into medical school. And I figure by the time I finish with like residency and everything that like the world is going to be in a really bad place and like you know i think in like some type of way it's like it i don't know i think it kind of like aligns with like the study that came out that said like we have 10 to 12 years before like we oscillate between like fire and flood and i think that i'll have gotten my education and training by then so like i'm going to be like one of the new plague doctors i'm very excited Wow, I did not know about that change. Okay. About what? A focusing on environmental justice. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think environmental... Um, so, I mean, it's like that's like such like a passion for me that I think biostatistics, I was just doing that because like that outlook actually makes the most money out of all the public health concentrations. And I was just thinking about that because I'm like, I do want to move off into the middle of nowhere. I want like a fucking farm. And I feel like that is going to really be able to fuel that dream like financially at least um but then I'm just like I also need to be doing something that like is sustainable to me not just like for capitalism's pursuits um so I do like love the environment and like I am passionate about like climate change and and stuff like that um so I figured that would probably be a a better way to go like I also like enjoy my school more um how do you feel like you'll navigate your queer transness in school and within those different kind of social environments? Or what do you, like, foresee happening? Um, it's like, I don't know, it's funny. Um, I think about this a lot, like, where um, I think about, like, kind of, like, preparing, like, a speech or just, like, telling people about my pronouns, but usually I, like, chicken out, like, even with, um, like, I coach right now and, like, I wanted to tell, like, the kids, like, my pronouns and it's just, like, things like that where I almost feel like I'm, like, being not necessarily selfish or narcissistic, but I'm, like, making it about me in, like, some type of way where it's just, like, everybody else doesn't have to do that, like, nobody else is, like, saying their pronouns, just kind of being, like, the, the odd one out is, like, what I think is like the biggest deterrent is um but I feel like for school like I don't know I'll probably end up having to like email the like I like it I mean it might be something where I have to like email kind of like each of my professors and like whenever I talk to like my classmates I'll just have to like tell them um I'm not sure how I would actually do that in any other sense um like I couldn't I mean, emailing admissions wouldn't really do anything. I mean, I did, like, whenever I was, like, applying to medical school, it had the option for, like, pronouns, but I also don't know how much that is actually taken into consideration outside of the application. Um, but I do feel like it'll be something that I 
or something that just progressively I think as time goes on I'm getting like more comfortable with opening up about but I'm still kind of a bit in that like crook where I'm still like shy as well Mm. and how has your understanding of your gender um, changed over the years like in being in New York and is it is it just the combination of being around a lot of queer people and things online and like this moment of trans visibility like what do you think's helped catalyze you into like this new place of feeling more like totally embracing of all of these different intersections I mean I think um I think New York has been New York and the internet have been um incredibly responsible for shaping me um it's like I don't know, I think giving me the words to describe myself, like, was just, I don't know, huge. And I think that 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 was the internet in, like, New York. I think prior to moving here, I did identify as um, a cis woman. And it's, like, funny, I, like shaved my head and I would like go and I would get like I would go to Chipotle and they would like misgender the shit out of me and always just call me sir and like I don't know I would get that a lot with like my bald head and I would get very upset and it's just like because like then it was like they would become flustered they're like oh my they're like taking a second look they're like oh my god like it's just like it became this like weird like conversation piece that I didn't appreciate um, or I would be like in a women's bathroom and then I would be getting accused of like being in the wrong bathroom and it just made me feel very uncomfortable. Um, and it's funny because it's like the exact opposite way now where it's like when people call me a dude and they're like trying to apologize, I'm like, no, it's okay. I'm like, no, I'm just like, it's, I'm just like, you, you were fine. Um, so it's just, it's funny. Um, I don't know, being here has definitely helped. I think being around a lot of queer people has like helped me to accept myself and to come more into myself um and it's kind of funny like one of my friends was like i think just talking about the way that we view ourselves and it's like they were just speaking on how a lot of their gender identity issues or their like dysmorphia is just like from cis men it's just the fact that like men are looking at you and iding you a certain way it's like i think throughout my life I felt very comfortable in my body I I don't think I always had the language to describe it but I think a lot of like what I do and I mean sometimes I have to remind myself that like gender non-conforming and like androgyny doesn't mean masculine I think a lot of times I'm like very driven away from like femme things and I don't think that it is inherent like disinterest or distaste in like feminine things I think it's just that men have ruined that for me to the point where it's like I'm like oh well I don't want to wear that because it like a guy is going to say something or like oh like men it's just it's just men it's like if there was like everybody else except like men being around it's like I don't know I think I would be comfortable being like topless it's like things like that where it's like I I think a lot of the the reasons why I navigate and I like the the world the way that I do and early a lot of the reasons why I am on edge isn't because of things that like most men haven't even done anything to me you know it's just a thing about that it's just like the societal man is just like these eyes that just like fucking watch you and like the fact that people can violate you without even saying anything or touching you just like looking at you like makes you feel really fucking weird um and it's just like I don't know I really think that if like men were vaporized I'd 
like I wouldn't give a shit what people called me or like what the fuck they looked at me or like what I wore okay (laughs) (laughs) um I think we'll just swerve a little (laughs) and I wanted to ask you because you are getting more into artistic things like what you have planned or what you're thinking about um it's funny I um I've considered myself to be creative and artistic for quite some time. I think it's just, like, something that I don't... um, It's, like, something I internalize. I think um, I've written poetry for a very long time, and I used to, like, share things with people, but then, I don't know, I think, like, with just, like, self-esteem issues and things like that, or also a lot of, like, my poetry is, like, very, like unrequited and like romantic and sappy and shit and it's just like if I'm not in those situations I don't feel compelled to write which is like something that I want to get over where it's like I it doesn't that doesn't I don't want that to always like evoke or prompt writing um or at least I mean it's a very specific type of writing that I that I do when I feel like that anyways um but I mean I don't know I've like I write lyrics I rap I think like again it's kind of like I I think, like, once I get, like, confidence in myself, I think I'll be able to, like, really put a lot of products out there. But I think right now I'm still, like, kind of, like, on the cusp of that, of, like, having a very, like, critical or kind of, like, negative relationship, like, when I do create. I, like, edit things to shit. And it's, like, I don't ever really, like, let them get their feet off the ground, which I think, which is, like, what's nice about, like, the kind of project that I'm working on now, just kind of, like, collaborating um, with a friend and I think being able to like bounce your ideas off of each other is like really nice and I think just having that kind of like support system I'm like maybe like once I we get like a, a project out like that'll make me feel like more comfortable in like my solo things to like really have like some faith in myself um, but I think right now like I have a lot of, of things on the horizon um, and just kind of like what are some of them what do you mean? You just said you have a lot on the horizon. What? I mean, well, I mean, I don't, because I also am like, I, I talk a lot about stuff where I'm like, you know, you don't want to like jinx yourself. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, like eventually, I mean, I'd like to like have like a mixtape out or like a couple of like songs or like singles or things like that. Um, I've thought about like modeling more. Um, I mean, I want to start like shooting film or like starring in it or like directing things or just like kind of like putting my hands into a lot of or like my hands into a lot of different things. Um, I think I have like a very innovative imagination. I think a lot of the times I tend to overemphasize like the negative things that kind of come with that instead of like the positive things. And I think that this is like what I'm trying to do now where I'm just like the the way that my mind kind of moves and swirls about isn't always like bad. There's actually like a lot of like good things in here just having to um, prioritize and believe in myself and like actually have like self-control and like do that and like good work ethic and like make it happen. Mm. I want to know if there's anything else you'd like to share for the interview. Um, no, that's, that's pretty much it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.